Welcome to Other Than Sports. Each episode features a unique guest who shares lessons learned through sport, their career path, where they are now, and what they're excited about for the future. You'll hear perspectives and examples that inspire and show that regardless of where you are on your own journey, you're not alone. Are you ready? Let's dive in. All right, welcome to a new episode of Other Than Sports. Tonight, we have our final interview for the crew of this podcast, and that will be my fearless leader at one point in my life, Chris Puinski. Uh, yeah, uh, Chris was a Yale baseball captain when I was a sophomore uh, on the team or at school. And uh, yeah, and since then, he's kind of our tech in-house expert, I would say, working for LinkedIn and a variety uh, of other companies since then. Uh, Chris, thanks for uh, doing this tonight. Yeah, always, uh, always excited. It's nice to be on the other side of the the table or yeah. the the mic, I guess. Um, yeah, I've I have a question to kick us off here, and I probably had this question in the back of my pocket for a few years now. Actually, funny enough, but um, I've always admired the fact that you just got up and quit your job at one point and went on a trip with your now wife to Asia and I've yeah I mean I'm just going to kind of leave it at that and just say I mean I think most folks would at some point in their life you know everybody talks about work-life balance or doing things in life life is short but you actually did it what was that like yeah what was yeah, yeah headed into it the the before during and after of that of that whole process yeah I mean I think the first thing is there's never a good time you just have to make time and I think that's for anything really um but even coming out of college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was touching around some of the finance and consulting stuff, thought about military branches, was thinking about law school, was pretty much like all over the board. And then um, LinkedIn happened to reach out to me. And so it was an amazing opportunity. But I, even as I was starting that journey, I was there for almost four years. I was just kind of going along and being like, is this what I'm going to do long term? Um, and yeah, then girlfriend, now wife, uh, we uh, were, you know, just kind of talking about what we wanted and figuring out uh, what, you know, next steps looks like, what cities we wanted to be in. And one of the things was I just, uh, I was really trying to look for what was next in my career and something that was more fulfilling. So I actually got to this point talking to her. She She is much more like, let's just do it, make a decision and go. I want to think about all the pros and cons. So I was you know, freaking out for a long time. And then finally, I was like, you know what, I want to take this kind of chance and um, blow things up. I I was totally prioritizing career. It was kind of what we've all been taught, right? Like in college, it was number one priority was always sports, even, you know, it kind of shared it with academics, but it was assumed that sports came first. So I just kind of applied that to my career and was like, career comes first. And I wasn't totally fulfilled. So I was like, you know what, uh, let me take like a massive risk. Uh, let me blow this up. Let's go travel and just see what happens. And we ended up spending three and a half months uh, going throughout Southeast Asia. We booked a one-way ticket to Thailand. Um, and then I actually went two more weeks in Israel with uh, one of our old teammates, Josh Scharf, who is a really good friend. And it was an amazing experience. It was, it was awesome. It was very uncomfortable for me uh, to have no plan. That was the first time I think in my entire life that I had no plan. Uh, I remember it took me about three and a half weeks into traveling to actually decompress and be like, it's okay to not have a schedule. 
then I just started writing a lot, uh, started coming up with a bunch of ideas. I still have like a huge ideas notebook, um, just kind of dreaming, to be honest. And it was it was really freeing. Uh, and most importantly, I think looking back is Nat and I, you know, my wife connected uh, just traveling. Traveling is not easy. Um, traveling country to country and passports and sickness and mosquito bites and food poisoning like that stuff's not easy uh but it was it was really fun really fulfilling uh went scuba diving uh you know all all those fun had a panic attack scuba diving which uh or i guess in like the prep thing which was not great that's that's another story uh and then came back and and you know coming back and and figuring out what my path was was actually pretty challenging uh for some time and then ended up paying off uh big time um just where i am today so it, it worked out sorry i'm just imagining chris that scene in couples retreat vince vaughn they told you not to panic <laughs> it was the i mean so we're in this pool it's 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 literally four feet of water and we have all the scuba gear on and to pass you have to sit there and go and just keep your head underwater and just breathe and the tank works everything's fine it's me, Nat, a, a few other people, and I'm sitting there and my chest is just locking up. My heart is going a million miles an hour. I can't catch my breath. I, and I feel like I'm drowning, even though I'm hooked up to an oxygen tank. And the, the scuba instructor is going around and, you know, doing thumbs up. And I'm like going like this, freaking out. Nat's laughing at me through her oxygen tank, still breathing, totally fine, just crushing the whole thing. So the worst part is you have to, you have to get out then. So I have a panic attack. I'm like, I got to get up. I got to get out. But then you have all this gear on. So then I'm unzipping this thing. I'm peeling it all off. They're still all underwater. So I'm just on this like journey alone of where am I going to go? I'm walking out of the pool. The instructor finally comes out is like, you know, are you, are you okay? I go, I don't even know what happened. I was like, let me get back in there. I can do it. The funny part is like, you have to do this to pass, to go out in the ocean. And I go back in. I shit you not, I had the same exact panic attack, but in my head, I just go, I'm either going to pass this or pass out and the instructor will revive me. So I would, I felt like I was close to passing out and she was going like this. And I was like, and in my head, I'm just going through this whirlwind. Luckily I passed when we got out into open ocean. I was, I was totally fine, but, um, it was not, not the best start to that, but good ending. Yeah. So to go through all that, I hope the scuba diving was worth it. <laughs> I, I honestly recommend it for anyone. Scuba diving is like, I mean, you're just in no. the, the, like an aquarium basically, but way cooler. So it, David, it was worth it. David would go scuba diving if he didn't actually have to get on a boat to actually get to the area to scuba dive. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know how they, how they transport me out there, but I, I'm, I will not be on that boat. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But uh, no, what a way to start. You know, you've kind of been all over the map and you are our, you know, resident techie, something that you've been in since college. And, you know, you didn't really have much of an idea what it, what you wanted to do during and maybe the immediate period after. Uh, I'd be curious to hear about what you're doing now, because mm -hmm. I know you've had a few different roles after getting back um, from all your travels and, and the LinkedIn exit, what are you doing now? And, and just, what does that look like? Yeah. So I've been lucky enough to work for, uh, companies of all different sizes and in a bunch of roles. And I'll kind of get into that a little bit, but right now I do something called product marketing. So it's an aspect of marketing where we take what 
technology product teams are building. And our goal is our charter is to take it to market, build awareness around it, get people interested in buying it, all those fun things. And so um, that's a lot of the day-to-day. -day. It's taking the, the technical jargon and figuring out how to put it into value prop and all the avenues, uh, whether it's like press releases, TechCrunch, Forbes, whatever you're, you know, figuring out how to work with our teams to get it there. Um, and then a bunch of other different tactics uh, around it. Uh, which is really cool because you get, you have to really understand the product and you have to really understand uh, the go-to-market side or like, you know, how it's actually positioned to customers and get feedback from customers, good and bad, deliver that. Um, so it's been, it's been pretty rewarding from that, uh, that point of view. The funny thing is, and I've told quite a few people that I've, uh, you know, like worked with or mentored about this is I didn't even know product marketing was a job coming out of college. Uh, I didn't even know you could get a computer science major honestly through if i'm being completely honest with you guys through yale like did not know didn't know that computer science was thing didn't know coding was thing i don't code uh trying to teach myself a little bit that is a dream of mine to be able to build things uh but it's 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 a slow process but i didn't even know it existed i actually had a um a mentor get me into product marketing so i started my career uh in a rotational program at linkedin uh, rotated through uh recruiting customer support and then sales which uh, was pretty interesting. With the, the best part was I started with uh, a great leader who ran that program and then uh, probably 20 other colleagues coming out of college doing the exact same thing who are still some of my closest friends today. So that part was really great. Uh, a lot of them have gone on to do pretty cool things. Uh, did full cycle sales for a while. So was selling a LinkedIn solution. And then, as I mentioned, wasn't totally... Uh, totally fulfilled by it and decided to go off and go traveling. And then we actually came back. I went to Sacramento. I worked for a, a local company, uh, kind of did some sales and, you know, wasn't really something that I, you know, I coached a little bit on the side was kind of trying that was, was messing around with a couple of my own ideas and then trying to figure out like what I was going to do for steady money and, and career growth and things like that. And so found a startup, uh, definitely recommend anyone interested that, of going the startup route, I think it was really helpful to start with a big, bigger tech company with some structure and then go to startup. If you looked at the business cards I had at the startup, I probably held six roles in one year, seven months. I was our head of communications for one day during a, uh, like a PR incident issue that I was running, um, all the way down to director of partnerships, director of business development, lead project manager, uh, and then eventually a product marketing manager when I got pulled into it, I think chief of staff for a few months in there too, to our CEO. So, uh, I just kind of decided I was going to grind it out and do it all. I actually walked into the interview for a technical role and about halfway through told them, Hey, I'm not qualified for this, but can I get my foot in the door? Uh, I remember sweating through my entire back of my shirt. So when I got up to leave, I had to like make sure that my I kind of like like backed out of the door to walk away because you, did, you did the plank the plank move it, it literally was because I was like my I mean it was a dark suit but I I sweat enough where like it was <laughs> you you could see it like you could I was wet man like it, it was like jumping a pool wet so because I because it was just like I I mean 10 minutes into this hour-long interview I remember I was like I shouldn't be here like this I'm not qualified for this like I don't know right back in that Right back yeah. in that pool, right back in that school. I'm right back in the pool. This is just life about panic moments. And I, I remember at one, they were so nice and I ended up working with their great people. But I, I, at one point I was like, I think they're messing with me because why are they continuing this interview? And so they, they, I remember they, 
when, when I stopped the interview and I was like, Hey, clearly I'm not qualified for this role. Then we talked about, they're like, asking me some questions. And I guess they went to our, that leadership team at the time was like, so he's definitely not a business analyst, but like, you might want to just talk to him. And then I ended up talking to the CEO. He hired me with like no role open and was like, I don't know, just come in and, and start plugging holes. So that was cool. Cause it was startup. And I was also hired to find what I was supposed to do. And that's why I had so many roles. Um, a, a really great experience. He really pushed me in a lot of ways, some good, some bad. Um, but I grew up a lot there. And then uh, went back into sales a little bit at a company called Headspace, was you know always interested in mental health and performance. Um, worked for my first manager from LinkedIn, actually went over there and pulled me over. Um, pretty short stint for various reasons. And then really missed product marketing, wanted to get more technical. And that's where I came over to Twilio. And the funny thing is I've been there just under three years now. Uh, had very few product launches under my belt going in and um, have had a really nice career path at Twilio, been promoted twice. feel like I'm a very good product marketer at this time. Grew up be, as a product marketer here. Um, so I, you know, I, I bring that up because I think a lot of my path is I have no business being where I am. Like, you know, I, 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 I'm smart, I'm hardworking, but I've just continued to do things where I wasn't qualified and, and kind of earned my way in. And it doesn't come without, moments that really suck and are really, really hard and, and bumps, but, uh, I, it is rewarding at the same time. And I think there's a few good panic attack stories in there too. So now I guess a little bit of build on that, right? Because you've gone through all this, maybe, you know, feeling like an imposter at times, right. Or like that technical knowledge, is just not there. I'd be curious, like, when you look at the people, your coworkers, the people that are in the industry, right? It's got to be a, a a good blend of that as well, right? Not everybody comes into it, uh, you know, with it, right? As someone and, you know, going through college, computer science, tech was never even on my radar, right? Similar to you, just like, don't know the path, don't know how to get into it. Uh, and the folks that do get into it and break into it, aren't always hitting the ground running. Yeah. I mean, this is the importance. Uh, first of all, no one knows what they're doing. Like that's, that's the reality. Even the people are very few people do, you know, I think there is some fake it. So you make it and just, I, I mean, I think there's hard work. I think if you want to like put your head down, you're not afraid of looking, you know, maybe stupid at some points and asking questions, then, you know, you can definitely get there. I think one of the things that I'm naturally pretty good at is, uh, building authentic relationships. So, you know, I find end up finding people at companies who like I can trust, they can trust me. I'm okay with going to them and being like, hey, I have no fucking idea what any of this means. Can you please try to explain it to me? And then I actually take the time to try to explain it. I'll read up on it. It really bothers me if I don't understand something. So uh, I'll obsess over it for a while. But without the right people and support around me, I would have no chance. Like I just went through my career path. There are so many people, you know, I worked for a guy at One Inc. who went over to Swilio. He's the one who like got me my foot in the door. You know, you know, uh, the the network around LinkedIn. Like the, when there's things I don't know and I'm uncomfortable asking people at work, I go to my network and I and I ask them. Right, like we talk about different things on the on the finance side. And so I think one of the things that I found early on at especially at Twilio, where it's a very technical company, was I need to be okay saying, "Hey, I I don't uh, I don't know this or I don't understand this," and it's actually really disarming. So I'll sit there with engineers and product people and be like, 
hey, marketer in the room, I have no idea what any of you are saying. Sounds really smart, but can someone explain it to me like I'm five, please? Um, and I'm okay with like looking like that because I'm, you know, good at other things. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, I come from a political science background, people come from communications backgrounds, and it's more of just, um, you know, are you interested in, in what you're doing? And, and can you kind of leverage what you're good at? Um, I'm good at grinding it out, doing a lot of work, building authentic relationships. My manager is the best narrative storyteller that I've ever met. He's an amazing product marketer. He came from like an ad, kind of admissions college, higher education background. So, um, you know, I think anyone can kind of get into it and there's no one set path. It's just, um, you know, how bad, how bad you want it and, and building up a network to, to help you get there. Chris, on the point of authentic relationship, because this is something I, I don't even know if it's a question, but more just curious if the skill is translatable um, or you know, is it something that you work on or is it something that's come natural to you? Because, you know, speaking obviously from somebody who's been who's looked up to you at, at times in their life. Um, yeah, I know, like very early, like just, you know, first weeks on campus you and cam inviting uh you know the freshmen to your guys apartment like things like that and you know and i there's great guys in your class but you know i i'd imagine that the vote for captain was not to again not to say those guys i i and i love those guys like cam uh you know uh his wedding coming but anyway you know i think we all look to you to be our captain that year um and despite uh, and not to throw you under the bus, but despite on-field struggles, like it wasn't, you know, for us, it wasn't like Chris wasn't the best in that class. No one was drafted, you know, just that, you know, it wasn't like this is our guy who's going to hit 400 for us, but it was just like, you're just a leader and somebody we trust. Yeah. Did that come natural to you? Do you, you, do you bring that? Is that again, you know, you're building authentic relationships with folks above you, but obviously you've been able to do a role play a similar role in other people's lives. So I'm just kind of curious is, is, is how that translated into the, you know, the professional world now. Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, I had a shit ton of insecurity about it, right? Like my junior year, anyone can look up my stats. They're pretty appalling. Um, if there's any way I could scrape those from every aspect of every website ever, I would do it. You know, like I, I do want to quickly call out though. Joe went performance. He went performance related. <laughs> he did. He, he, Joe went right into, yeah. I Joe went performance I related. Heard. I will be the first to throw myself under the bus. I think senior year I had 50 at bats and I struck out 30 of those at bats. So I'm the first one to throw myself under the bus. Wait, did you <laughs> did you vote for me for captain or did you vote for someone else who was better at baseball than me though? <laughs> no, you were certainly voted for uh, my vote for captain. Okay, your vote. I thought you were going to say you were certainly voted for. No, I mean, so I, no, think, no. I, I think if you ask other people, they would say I've um, like naturally been a leader and in, in in certain situations. Um, I, to be honest, like I, I am adamant that you never build a relationship with anyone or, or do anything to like try to get something out of them or, or use them or ever play an angle. Like, I, I think there are, I think I've gone through, a, a, you know, enough goods and bads in, in my life, nothing like crazy, but just to know that like people need support and they need each other and you need community. And like, I, I'm like really big on community and culture. Like, I think those things are super important and I think people thrive in those. So like when you guys walk on campus day one, I don't care if I'm captain or the last guy on the team. I wanted to make sure there was places where 
we could all go to be around because uh, that was really important to me my freshman year and those guys showed it. And so, you know, when you see those things where you're like, wow, that like really felt good or that helped me develop. Um, you know, I remember those guys, the seniors my freshman year brought us in right away. Those nights where like we didn't really go out with some of the other guys, like we'd, we'd hang out with them and they were totally cool with it. And that's huge as a, as a freshman. Um, and, you know, I think I wanted to do a lot of that. So learning that, I think even when those guys came back, some of my like drunk nights when they're out with me, they're like, Hey, like tone it down. And, and, you know, just little things here and there that actually like leave a lasting impact. I think, you know, deep down, I, I think I really want to make a lasting impact. I want to make a lasting impact on people and, and, you know, different, different things that that's important. Uh, but there's, there's a, like, I think the hard part of it is a lot of like leadership is performance-based. So if you look at I think there's a lot of baseball teams. So this, ours was a unique situation for me, but where the best player ends up being the captain. And actually what people tend to find out is that happens in the work world, but sometimes the best performers and actually typically the best performers aren't the best leaders. Um, maybe it just comes too easy to them. Uh, maybe they just are more concerned about themselves. Uh, and so I think part of me, like not being great and going through the hardships actually made me a more relatable captain in, in some ways. I was not perfect. Uh, I'd hope to say that I was good. Uh, and I and I think I kind of like carry that into work too. The one thing that I'll, I will say that really helped with captain, and I did some of this in high school, my you know mom made me run for president and that was awesome. But like you, lead, you, you learn to lead without any actual power. So like president of your high school class, you have no power, right? Like it's all just like kind of smoke and mirrors. Captain, you really have no power, but like coaches are like, Hey, I need you to do this. Like go get this player in line. And I could go into like good stories and, and plenty of failures that I had, you know, in, in that, which were really tough. Um, and, and then players being like, what are the coaches doing? Or like, what are you doing? Or what, wh whose side are you on? Uh, you have no power. You're just actually like sitting in between and uh, you're not going to be friends with, with both sides or all sides. And I think even in work, you know, there's specific projects, initiatives, where you don't have power. Um, I don't manage yet. I, I definitely want to manage. I think I'll be a good manager eventually after a lot of learning, but I still do lead in certain situations. And I think a lot of that is due to, you know, captain-like position where it's like, you can't actually make anyone do anything, but you can influence. And how do you actually influence people? You actually have to care about them. You can't just like fake it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I would, I would say you are one of, first you hosted me when i was in high school yes. coming to college so you you were clearly cut out for sales uh back then right selling me on all the merits of uh getting my education at yale university um but you you are definitely one of the most authentic people that i've come to know and you know i think to build on what joe was saying right at, you were someone that a lot of us looked up to right because you didn't have a problem telling it how it was, right? We knew where you stood on a lot of issues, right? It like, you were very authentic. And, and I'd be curious how that translates into your work style, both like managing up and managing down because it is right. It is a balance, right? A lot of us as athletes are good at just like, you know, Hey, we're going to put our head down, run fast. And like, sometimes we could slip up, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. Yeah. But in, in the, in the professional world, there's a lot more landmines, right? So how, how have you kind of translated this uh, in the working world? Yeah. I mean, uh, 
first of all, like you're always gonna, you know, make mishaps and, and it just happens and, and, you know, you want to want to keep your head down uh, and just keep going. But I, I think like my thing on this is the it's, it's like caring. Right. So, so when I think about baseball and I think for like, there's good and bad that comes to this. I love and loved baseball. Right. So like there were times where I didn't understand why people couldn't on the team couldn't love baseball as much as me. And I would get really fired up about that. Right. So there, there's this like core love that you, like, it was a fire, no matter how shitty I played or how bad maybe I was having in, in interactions with coaches or maybe teammates that I was fighting with, uh, physically or just like trying to keep them on on tabs like there were things that happened like that where it's just but like there is this fire that was always on and I don't know that I've necessarily found that in work of like I care so much about this thing that I'm doing um that that fire is always on and I think that's always a concern and there's that like bigger identity like I was always a baseball player and regardless of how good or bad I was like it was just it it was just my identity and there was no questioning that um the thing I will say is that the relationship fire, it still burns. And so one of the things that you all know is that I loved my teammates and I would go to bat for my teammates. I would, I would stand up for my teammates. I'm not the biggest guy. I would run my mouth if I had to, I'd go at people if I had to coaches, uh, other coaches, other players. Um, I did, I just love the people that I'm around and, and like, I believe you have to have their back. And I think to a probably uh, slightly lighter extent that happens in, in the workplace. You know, I really care for the people I work with. Um, and I think like that, that really helps, right? Cause you want them to do well. You want to do well for them. You want to work together. Um, you know, it's a little different cause then like on other teams, you might not like people as much and things of that nature. But I think like relationships is the thing that gets me going and, and, you know, I've been in my career probably nine years, and I think some good roles, some bad roles, you know, decent growth. Uh, but the people are probably like the most important thing. I'd say the same thing with our with our teammates, you know, like I love you guys. I love the other guys we played for. And so that's been the thing to find. Um, and I, just, I, don't, I don't think there's anything like more important than that. Now, I guess on, on relationships, too. Um not really like none of us have worked in tech right and you hear stories right incredibly cutthroat similar to like finance and some other industries um has it been difficult building those relationships without specifically speaking to maybe like you know teams that you've been a part of or things like that but just more in general the the nature of the work you know i think the thing that i that I've come to find out, which I'm almost like upset it it it, it took as long as it did because it's so obvious is uh, just the diversity of relationships has been something that I've been really appreciative of in in the work environment and understanding people's different backgrounds and uh, things that they love and you know all, all these different things. Like I I don't think we all realize just how in a vacuum we were. Uh, being a, you know, Ivy league baseball players, kind of of like, you know, similar mindsets, slightly similar backgrounds, depending on it. Uh, and so I think, you know, some of it is just like understanding what drives other people that aren't like me. I think I grew up around athletes all the time and there's just um, people who have the same type of mindset, but just pointed at other things. Uh, so I think like that part 
uh, has been really interesting. And I've been like really appreciative of like the relationships I've been able to build. I think the sometimes it it is hard though, because uh, just in general, it's like, what do we, what do we relate on um, with, with other people? And then there's just naturally, like there's a way I go about things. And I think we go about things the, as athletes. And when people don't put their same like mindset to it or care as much, it, it gets really frustrating. Cause like we want to deliver a certain thing at a certain quality and, and put in that work. Um, and so sometimes that gets difficult and taking a step back to try to like understand, um, you know, can be, can be really important, but I, I, I the, the last thing I'll say on this is again, I never build a relationship because I, it's like, what can I get out of this person? I build a relationship if I actually like enjoy that person. And I, really like relationships where like I can help first rather than asking. I'm not very good at asking for help, but like asking for help first. Um, but I think that's a big, important piece. The thing I am learning too, is as we get older, not all relationships are great. And sometimes you got to end those and just kind of keep an arm's distance. And that's something that I've learned that I actually hadn't been able to do up until maybe a few years ago. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, uh, and I touched upon a little bit talking, on the last episode but similar like just that and like you said i i don't manage folks either yet but yeah that difference in relationships and to that point you know relationships it may not the diversity also comes to the i guess the the intensity or the strength of it you don't necessarily everybody doesn't need to be your best friend but similar to being a teammate i think we've all experienced you're not best friends with all your teammates but at the end of the day it's your teammate and you need to figure out a way to work with that individual on and off the baseball field, uh, basketball court, what have you, for the team to be successful. It doesn't, again, yeah, it doesn't need to be best friends. Um, going back, I think, though, Chris, I, I just, I, and I've been more and more listening to some of the, you know, what do you, the career influencers that you see on social media. But, I mean, you did take that risk. Would you recommend, you know, hmm first 10 year chunk of your life to just taking risks because you know I think some folks listening to this might hear you talk about your inner that interview experience and you know uh, they're playing devil's advocate from some folks mindset they might say well you know that's not going to always work out and you know I won't get the job then you know but uh, at the same you know at the same time uh, it's tough to take risks when you do have a family and, and you're, and you're married and you have a mortgage to pay. So yeah. Uh, if your thoughts on just, again, that whole risk taking mindset and to do things that are outside your comfort zone. Uh, the, uh, the example clearly being you going <laughs> scuba diving. I mean, is it's funny that you talked about the scuba diving because I feel like it's such a great parallel to the, for the start of your career, uh, really just jumping in the deep end, literally and figuratively. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. I mean, my thing is, if you're unhappy, change course. I, I think that's, that's really important. And, but like, I think my answer now will probably be different from five years from now to 10 years from now. And what I mean is like, first of all, the whole like risk taking thing, I took three and a half months off. So like in, in work world, that's a quarter and a little bit of change. That's not a lot of time. Yeah. Um, it, it was perfect for me. Like I got to like really, uh, like expose myself to different cultures and traveling and no plan and all those different things. And it, and it felt like a good amount of time. Some people have to do six months, have to do a year. Um, what it did teach me is that I could, again, leveraging relationships and my skills and things like, like I could create my own luck. And I actually proved that to myself. 
And so when I go into taking risks now, I'm actually more confident that I can create my own luck. And that part's been really helpful for me. The other thing that's interesting, if like anyone is thinking of like, wow, I just want to like quit. I'm not that fulfilled. Will I get back to it? I would say, you know, I quit a great job. I went and traveled for three and a half months. Um, I came back. It probably took me another, ooh, I mean, like six months after that was, was tough trying to figure out like, well, what do I do now? Am I going back? Where are we going to live? All those different things. Like, and then it slowly started building up to the point where now, if I look at like the people who I was lined up with career wise, I didn't lose any ground. Uh, so it worked out really well for me. Cause I just like reaccelerated and it, it, it's been totally fine. I think, you know, there are some cons technically, right? Like depending on the amount of time you take out, like I, I am married now. We're thinking about buying a house. We're in a good position to like afford that. If you take too much time of not making money, like maybe that delays those things. And you got to think about something like that. I hope that at 40, I just look back and I'm like, oh, there are plenty of years to make money. So it just keeps being like, honestly, hey, everyone, you'll have the time to make money once you put your head, like mind to it and, and make sure you get the right opportunity. You'll be able to do it. I don't know that yet. I'm kind of on the cusp of like, okay, like we can afford a house. That's great. We could take the next step. I got married. That that was awesome. Um, but I, you know, I there's like some Steve Jobs quote. I can't I can't remember it, but I, I wouldn't be a total techie if I didn't drop Steve Jobs at some point. Um, but he's just like, you know, you, you can't, I think it's like you don't get buried with your possessions or whatever, or like, you know, when you're on yeah. your deathbed, like the amount of money you have doesn't matter. And and I think we've we've all talked about that. And you know, I do believe that to some extent. And so if you're just like on autopilot just to get through life, I I just don't think it's worth it. And I think I come from a very privileged background where I was able to take time off and come back. Um, you know, I think that's a big part of it too, but having that opportunity and figuring out that plan to do it was awesome. And if people are thinking about it and they have that opportunity and are just like worried about the like fear of downside and, and all that, um, I'd say just fucking go for it. There's, there's plenty of opportunity to go get. Yeah. Chris, I guess. Yeah. And then, from a practical standpoint, I know we talked about this, but I'd imagine that you're able to use that. I, I just feel like, particularly now as our generation comes into the fold with COVID, all these different things, your sabbatical, whatever you want to call it, will not be looked upon the way our parents' bosses would have looked about it. Uh, and again, so back to the practical standpoint, did you use that in any way when you went into those interviews saying, listen, yeah, I did travel for three and a half months, but this is what I learned in those three and a half months and how now I can apply it to the workforce. Yeah. I mean, uh, I owned it. I said, this is why I did it. I was very honest about it. Uh, you know, again, I was at LinkedIn before, so I, I had a good foundation yeah. and I, you know, I, I, I think that helped. Um, but no, I did say it. I said, Hey, I took some time off. I'm coming back. This is what I'm trying to do. The funny thing is that initial part is a little bit difficult, right? Like getting the job. Um, yeah. but the funny thing, even at like Twilio, I had like imposter syndrome about this. Oh, am I enough of a product mark? Like two months in, no one cares what you did. No. previously. No one yeah. cares where you came from. No one cares what you did at your previous job. It's just like, are you delivering here? And once you are, yeah. It's great. No, like, I, no one's been like, Hey, what's your background? They don't give a shit. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm at Twilio. So I think that's yeah. the other thing. like getting your foot in the door is tough, but then it's just about performing and role like it is with anything else. Yeah. No, I, I think that's where I were. I was trying to lead you. Cause I, you know, folks listening thinking, Oh, well, you know, how do I spin, make this spin? But I, yeah, I, I, I know I've learned that too. Taking uh, same job and like, you know, but different places. It's certainly 
once you're there, you just got to prove yourself um, after that first like couple weeks. Yeah, definitely. Chris, I, th- I think we need to take a sabbatical and go back to Hawaii for the summer. <laughs> Hawaii, <laughs> golfing, <laughs> surfing. Yeah. I'm down, man. Oh, Hawaii was a good time. Let's, uh, you, oh, you weren't on the Paniolos. What was your team name when you were in Hawaii? The, the paddle paddlers paddlers. Yeah. Gosh. I think something like that. God playing, playing summer baseball in Hawaii is absolutely amazing. What a time. Oh, that was fun. I remember doing that. <laughs> <laughs> a loser. Let's I leave. I actually play baseball in Hawaii. I played it in upstate New York. <laughs> Not what? the same. Not Let's close game. this with Joe feeling bad about not going to play baseball in Hawaii. Uh, I know we're at time. I'll go ahead and close this out. Appreciate this great conversation, Cap. Um, loved hearing about it. Uh, excited for the episodes to come, and you know I'm sure we'll have some more uh, some more wisdom and maybe some more uh, editing out as we as we go through this. Absolutely, love it, guys. <laughs>